0: this episode is part of a special series created under lockdown with the people making change under the global coronavirus pandemic fran manning is a primary school teacher in south london and an organiser for the National Education Union, the NEU. Parents and teachers are currently grappling with the government's target to reopen schools to children beyond those of key workers by the 1st of June. We discussed how damaging it could be to children to reopen schools too quickly, what union organising has been like under a global pandemic and how we could reimagine education to better, and safely include all children in the new normal of the future. This is Future Heist. Conversations with people making change. My name is Rena Neve-Smith. Unions have joined together to tell the government that their members cannot go back to work in schools on the 1st of June, as, as the government announced, because it's not yet safe to do so. In a joint statement, the unions called on ministers to step back from plans for a phased reopening of schools in England beginning on the 1st of June, and said that classrooms of four and five-year-olds could become sources of COVID-19 transmission. Why do you think the government is so keen to get children back to schools? Do you think it's about education at all?
1: I think that's a really good question, Reena. We're hearing lots about um, how it's so important to get children back into the classroom. And We're hearing this from senior figures in the Conservative Party, the Labour Party, from Ofsted and so on. Um, and of course, while it's true that it is really important for children's development, that they do spend time in school, socializing uh, and learning important skills, actually, it won't be good for children's development if they are bereaved or if one of their family members uh, is hospitalised because they become seriously ill due to the virus, or uh, if the child falls ill themselves. We're hearing more and more now about um, an inflammatory disease that's linked to coronavirus that can affect children. And while that still appears to be very rare, we simply don't know enough about that yet. And the government guidance that has been Released that was uh, released at the start of May 2020 on the return to schools, or I should actually say the wider reopening of schools, because of course schools are currently open. I'm going in myself uh, every week to look after children of key workers and the most vulnerable children. But the government guidance on how to do that actually makes no mention of social distancing in schools, no PPE for staff or children. Uh, 15 children to a classroom, which in pretty much all of our state schools will mean there is far less than a two metre distance between children and so on. And yet a study that came out last week, so again, the beginning of May 2020 from the University of uh, East Anglia found that closing schools had been the single most successive, uh, successful measure in reducing the spread of the virus um, and you know the fact is that even if we were to try and enforce that social distancing ourselves in schools, uh, that would make education impossible you know as, as we understand it. Photos uh, came out from uh, France where they've just reopened schools and they painted a really really sad picture actually of what education would look like for small children or does look like in France for small children um, under social distancing and the fact I would say that the government has chosen the littlest children really to try to try this out with Uh, they've asked for reception in year one to go back along with year six Uh, and that they also kept this quiet they've also included nursery schools in that and said they want all primary schools to spend at least a month back before the summer holidays or all primary school children sorry I think means this is not about education um, at the very least this is total incompetence from a government who really understands nothing about our school system and about how children learn because you can't learn in an environment where people are rightly worried and scared and fearful and sad and You know, some people have actually said that perhaps this isn't uh, about education at all, but about providing childcare so that parents can return to work for the sake of saving the economy. So, um, yeah, I think that from, from my point of view as a teacher and certainly the National Education Union, this is not about children's education and it is not the best way to support children's education. Do you think social distancing is actually possible in schools? In our current school buildings, no. And to be honest, even if we did have the space, I don't think that we would want to. Um, Apart from the practical implications, you know, we have, the truth is that all the way from reception right up to year six, there are daily occurrences of things like behavior issues um, send uh, issues and uh, you know injuries all sorts of reasons that you would need close personal contact um, with a child these kind of things happen daily and can't simply be uh, you know magic away people have um, teachers have uh, made all sorts of jokes about applying plasters to children with a stick and you know so that we can maintain a, a two meter distance and all the rest of it. So, there are actually all those physical practicalities, but also, you know, even if we could, fu- you know, magically find a way around them, actually, we worry that that could be quite emotionally distressing for children who, after, you know, months of lockdown, are naturally going to want to hug their friends probably going to be hanging off their teacher's legs which we, uh, we're quite used to in the, in the playground and things like that um, and for them to be told no you can't come near us and you can't go near each other and you need to keep your distance to have a, a child who's upset not be able to come near you which is you know these are things that happen regularly in primary schools that's going to be quite emotionally distressing for the children that we work with and you know possibly risk giving them a complex we don't want that we want cases nationally to be right down and we need to be able to have we need to have a mass uh, mass testing system in place so that we can say that with confidence that we are having no new cases and that the number of cases is right down so that we can go back to schools in a healthy way in a way which is healthy for children and healthy for their development and it will not be good for their education long term to go back in a way that is uh unhealthy for them and for their development long term
0: the information has been really confusing from the government will the stress levels of teachers impact the situation as well you've talked there about the psychological impact on children what impact will the stress levels of, of teachers be if we don't go back in a safe way
1: i think that's a really really important point you know um children pick up a lot from the adults around them and if their teachers are feeling scared or worried or sad or fearful children are going to pick that up and to be honest the children will probably be picking that up from their adults at home as well. We know from a parent survey that most parents share our concerns about about the reopening of schools on a wider basis from June the 1st so that is not going to be a good emotional environment for anybody. And as you say, you know, um, teachers will be under that stress as well. The truth is that even with the service we're providing at the moment to key worker children, what we're hearing from reps and from primary teachers all around the country is that even in those cases where you've got maybe max 10 children in a class social distancing is not happening you know and that's a risk that we're aware of but it's a risk that we understand is necessary because those children's parents have you know got to be on the front line at the moment however rolling that out on a wider basis the idea of getting all children uh, at primary schools back for a month before the summer holidays is extremely dangerous and that is going to be something that the adults that work in schools and, uh, and parents and therefore children are going to be aware of and it's not going to be uh, a good emotional environment or a good environment for people's mental health. You've
0: been at the forefront of union activity in your workplace, what's union activity looked like day to day?
1: So, first of all, I'm really lucky because I have two fantastic co-reps um, in my school that um, that help me with this, really, because it, it has become quite a big job being a union rep since, obviously, the, um, the outbreak of the pandemic in this country. Um, you know, making sure that we are speaking to members regularly, finding out what their thoughts are on the situation, if we need to... Um, to point them to guidance and support, um, negotiating on a school level and um, ensuring that we're all on the same page with regard to government guidance, which has been an extremely tricky thing to do over the last um, couple of months because it's been an extremely fast-moving situation and one which, frankly, none of us expected. Um, and at the moment, it's also about uh, speaking to staff to make them aware that the union's position is that it is not safe for schools to reopen on June the first, as announced by the government. So um, it's been quite a quite a busy role, but certainly um, certainly an important one. And I think we're seeing at the moment just how important it is to have active unions because it really is about ensuring the safety not just of our staff but of uh, the school community that we serve as well. What's the
0: reception been like to union activity for you? Have What have been the big challenges and have your colleagues been supportive of what you're doing?
1: I think that early on it was quite a tricky one because we know that um, the media, for example, weren't quite up front with us about what was going on, certainly a lot of us, um, it took quite a while for us to really grasp the seriousness of the situation and it did move quite quickly and there were perhaps some divisions with some members um, who maybe weren't quite as aware of, of, of what the dangers were and you know, of course, who would see <laughs> Who could who would have foreseen that we would have had a national pandemic coming that meant we all need to go on to lockdown and, and schools need to close down and um, and all the rest of it you, you you really could not have foreseen this one and if somebody had probably told me that this would have happened three months ago I wouldn't have believed them either so I think that there was there were certainly difficulties in the beginning in terms of um, collectively grasping the seriousness of the situation and um kind of understanding what what that meant uh, what you know what would be necessary and i'm not saying this as somebody who had that all worked out myself certainly not um, it's kind of been a a learning process really a learning curve for all of us um so those were some of the difficulties but i think that we are we've obviously come to a, a A much more collective shared position on what's happening and what's necessary for keeping our children safe now and keeping our school communities safe. Gavin Williamson the education secretary has said
0: that disadvantaged children could receive extra tuition over the summer. How do you think that the coronavirus pandemic will impact the most disadvantaged children in society and what do you think needs to be done about it?
1: Well, I think that a lot of the time when we talk about disadvantaged children in education, you know, we as educators do our absolute utmost to close the, the learning gap and to try and uh, even even that out, really, for children. But at the same time, we can't ignore the underlying structural factors in that uh in that inequality, really, and in in the in the fact that children are disadvantaged um, from a very young age, particularly in um, in inner London where I work, and so uh, really, the coronavirus is only going to make that situation worse for a lot of children. But in a lot of cases, that won't necessarily be. Um, because they're spending more time out of school it will be because their parents are suffering the economic consequences. Uh, We know that around um, a million people in uh, early April registered as unemployed, they registered for unemployment benefit. It's great to hear that the furlough scheme has been extended to October because apparently if it hadn't been that would have resulted in Um, the immediate loss of millions more jobs. But, you know, when we're talking about the disadvantages that some of our children face in our deprived communities, we have to be clear that this is not something that we as educators alone can solve. And of course, we'll, we'll do our utmost to do what we can and do the best by the children that we teach. But these are factors that are, you know, low pay, poverty pay. We know that a lot of the children um, living in poverty and a lot of the families living in poverty are, are working families you know where they have at least one adult in full-time employment there are huge issues in London with the housing and um, with private housing where uh, the rents are frankly far too high and not in line with what people are paid and of course Uh, Along with that, a lot of insecurity for tenants as well that mean they are constantly moving around, um, which again is is not good for for children. So, you know, these are the structural issues that our our children in schools are facing or that some of our children in schools are facing. And unfortunately, there's not a magic wand that we can simply wave in schools that is going to solve that. Um, It comes from much deeper underlying factors. And we would like to see the government do a lot more to support um, those, those parents who are financially struggling.
0: Children are normally subjected to a lot of tests and exams, which can't take place this year. In fact, the coronavirus crisis has forced us to examine how we live our lives and to think about what a new normal should look like. Thinking about testing and exams do you think there's a better way to educate children?
1: I absolutely think there is a better way. And we actually had um, a an indicative ballot on this in the National Education Union um, last year in 2019 on the issue of testing and uh, standardised testing in the education system because we feel that it has not Um, improved children's outcomes or children's experience of education, in fact it has um, in many ways done the opposite. We know that in 2018 around 50% of children leaving primary school were told that they uh, were not expected where they were expected to be according to what the government's guidelines have expected were and that is a really damaging label to put on a 10 or 11 year old child that is going to affect how they think of themselves throughout their secondary education and potentially the rest of their lives. It has the, 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 the focus on testing has reduced education in a lot of places to, you know, simply teaching to a test and, As educators, we try to resist this as much as possible. But of course, if children are faced with these tests, then the logic is that you simply teach them to regurgitate the answers. And we in the National Education Union um, have been trying to raise the issue really of how we uh, move instead to a system where we value and celebrate education as a transformative experience for children, which is centred on the individual child and about um, where they're at and what they need, rather than uh, a standardised um, a standardised testing system. Uh, this system, as well, has um, had quite dramatic consequences for our SEN children, who um, increasingly are really struggling in mainstream schools, and are increasingly sort of funneled off to these. Um, to these special education providers, rather than being included within uh, mainstream provision, which is something that we're really concerned about as well, because that is, you know, potentially actually implementing segregation of uh, disabled children at quite a young age, which is something that we're really concerned about as well. So we want to see a much more inclusive education system and one that's really about um, celebrating celebrating education, celebrating children's achievements and um, educating children in a way that is um, best for them and looking after the whole child and developing the whole child. Definitely, um, you re- referred there to SEND children.
0: What does that abbreviation stand for?
1: Yeah, sorry, it's children with special educational needs and it's also has a D on the end as well, which can be special education needs or disabilities.
0: Thinking about union activity, what would you like to see happen next?
1: I think what I would like to see happen next, which is probably the same as all teachers, is that I would like the government to act in a sensible way and to work with the unions to, um, first of all, withdraw from the idea of, you know, back off from the idea of this return on June the 1st, which the country is simply not in any state to be carrying out. We know that uh, the other day, um, only the other day around 6,000 new cases of coronavirus were reported. Um, We know that more coronavirus cases are being reported daily now than at the start of when we went into lockdown. So the first thing we want to see is the government to back off from this ludicrous uh, idea of um, idea of more children coming back on June the 1st and then to work with education unions to um, come up with a plan of how we safely go back to schools. This is not an argument about whether schools will reopen or not. Of course schools are going to reopen and of course we want our schools to reopen as soon as possible but in order for that to happen there are a number of safety measures that need to be implemented. First we need to have the implementation of a uh, mass testing system nationally as well as contact tracing we also need to see uh, PPE for for staff um, you know with some sort of study into what's appropriate in an educational setting we understand that it's not going to be the same as the NHS for example but we want to see peer refu- peer-reviewed evidence on what PPE would be best in educational settings and uh, we also want to see the number of cases as well as the number of deaths coming right down. In New Zealand, they've uh, just started lifting their lockdown when they've had zero new deaths and zero uh, new cases reported. And that's the situation that we want to be in. So that's, that's our first choice, really. That's my first choice of what I would like to see happen. And of course, if that doesn't happen, Then from a union perspective, what I want to see and what we need to see is reps and trade union members everywhere coming together to say we are not going to carry this out because it is about, right now, this is about the safety of the communities that we serve and it will be doing them a real disservice actually if we allow these disastrous plans to go ahead, the impact that that could have on our uh, members of our school communities, if we have a second wave of infections, and also our brilliant NHS workers who've been on the front line against this fight. And it is absolutely not fair for them to be uh, subject to that stress and that trauma and that danger again. We know that a large number of uh, NHS workers have sadly died due to the virus. It is not fair for them to be subjected to that again.
0: How can people support you and what you do?
1: get stuck in really Um, get stuck in with with helping us we have completely unexpectedly found ourselves really on a war footing with the government over uh, the issue really of the safety of our communities so what I would say is if you are a rep make sure uh, a, a rep for the national education union make sure that you are holding meetings and making members aware of what's going on if you are a teacher in a school without a rep consider standing as a rep and, and getting your um, your members together if you're a teacher that's not a member of the national education union join us because we've had uh, over five thousand um teachers join us since Uh, We've had over 5,000 new members join us since Boris Johnson made his announcement on Sunday evening that schools would be reopening on June the 1st. So become one of those people and and join us and help uh, fight for the safe reopening of our schools. If you're a parent... See what you can do to support um, the staff at your school. Make it clear that you agree that it's not safe to go back on June the first, and that you want safety measures in place first. If you're a community member, write to your local school and and tell them that you know you, you support teachers in taking action to um, to avoid this disastrous or this disaster that potentially awaits us if the government goes ahead with their plans for June the first. So yeah please just support your teachers wherever you are whether you are a teacher um or whether you can uh, or whether you're a parent or whether you can simply send in a letter of support
0: that's brilliant thank you so much for your time today fran it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and i wish you all the best of luck with with everything
1: you're welcome. Thank you, Rena. Thanks.
0: Future Heist is recorded and produced by me, Rena Lee Smith, with original music by Benjamin Tassi, artwork by Fleur Beck, and sound editing by Gibran Farah. Ben Weaver-Hinks is our podcast consultant, and Charlotte Watts, our social media editor. You can find original illustrations for Future Heist by Charlotte on social media. Follow us at future underscore heist on Instagram and Twitter or future heist podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Special thanks to Chloe Vasegi. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.